0: Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man,
1: you come right out of a comic book. You are
0: now,
2: you are now listening, listening, to listening to Black Comics Chat.
1: Black, Black, Black Comics Chat. Live on
0: Black, Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat.
1: Black Comics Chat.
0: Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat.
3: Black Comics chat. Comics
2: Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey. A group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerdsofpray.
0: Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero in
2: Heroes of Homeroom C. And you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hey, hey! What is happening? What is up? What is cracking? What's popping, people? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back with Black Comics Chat. Um, you know, we're we're very happy to be here tonight. Um, it's, tonight, it's it's the the what well, the dynamic duo, Leo and myself. Um, definitely shout out to to Grace and Thelonious. You know, they're out there doing great things in the world and. You know, they'll be missed, but it's, it's all good because we've got uh, a comic-creating dynamic duo of their own with us tonight. You know, but we'll, we'll get to that momentarily. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, this is uh, Marcus, one, one half of the team behind the uh, Snow Days. And, uh, you know, with me, we've got my brother, Leo, uh, writer extraordinaire up in the house. How are you doing?
1: Yo, what's up, Black Comic Chef people? How's, how, how, how's, how's it going, Marcus? I'm, I'm hype. I, yeah, I've, I've had some, I've had some, some, some shakiness lately. We had that, you know, the call in calling from the LAX, uh, on the, on the Chuck episode, you know, I am now comfortable. I'm in a seat in my Bronx apartment. I have a tasty beverage here. I'm like properly, you know, set up to, to engage our awesome guests. And, uh, man, I, I, I have so many stories. I got LA comic stories. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff later. I have too much stuff to say tonight. Cool, cool, <laughs> man. We- we want
2: we want stories. So that's, yeah, I got that's stories. what we're looking for. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're in a spot with, with stable Wi-Fi too. So that, that's
1: important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was also that was also tricky. I'm on the grid right now, sir.
2: That's what we like. Um, but yeah, man, we as I mentioned, we've got a, a team who, you know, uh you've probably seen them most recently, uh, with their brilliant work on kid carvers. But um we've got uh I don't even know who I'm going to go to first. I, I just looked at, at your name, Jason. So we've got, uh, you know, artist extraordinaire, um, Jason Reeves. Man, he's, he's done a lot of work, and we're going to get all into it tonight on his various projects and his history as a comic creator. But, you know, welcome to the show, Jason.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I like that. Artist extraordinaire. That's what we talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it should go on a cape or something. I know.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think about it for your future cosplay. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm glad to be live with y'all tonight. Yeah, no,
2: definitely. Welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, also with Jason, we have, um, you know, a frequent collaborator of his and, you know, a man that's um, got a lot of, of writing under his belt. Um, and we're going to I definitely want to get into it. You know, it's, we we got a, a writer and artist of, of uh, Snow Days here and we're going to talk writing and art you know, a lot tonight. So we've got the writer behind Kid Carver's and a lot of other projects here, um, Alvern Ball. Welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here.
2: So, yeah, um, you know, first up, as always, (laughs) uh, listeners of Black Comics Chat know we like to get into origin stories. So um, I'll start with you, Alvern. Um, Can you tell us about, you know, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and the moment you first got into comics as a reader, and when you wanted to know you, or when you knew that you wanted to be a creator of comics.
3: Sure, I'm from um, Chicago, Illinois, from the West Side of Chicago, from a neighborhood called um, K Town.
1: Um, How do we not have Thelonious <laughs> on this episode? We got we got shytown <laughs> Town people. This is this is a You know right? <laughs> no, he, he's missed he's
2: missed some other shytown
3: Town episodes. <laughs> what so,
1: yeah. is going on? Like, come on, man. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's you. fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I'm from the shy. I came across comic books. I guess they've always been in my life in some way because, you know, cartoons or whatever. Grew up watching cartoons or whatever. But my first comic book, I came across comics when I was about 16. And the way that happened was um, I walked into a Toys R Us and I picked up a Spawn action figure. And when I saw the action figure I was uh, at that time, I was thinking, these are the toys I always wanted to make, the toys I've always wanted. And somebody finally started making, you know, these grotesque <laughs> figures. And I flipped it over, and it, it said, um, you know, this character appears in whatever issue of this comic book. And I thought, wait, there's a comic book about this <laughs> toy? You know, when they start doing that? So um, I went to this, I guess, this prestigious high school up north, and a couple blocks away was a, um, was a comic shop. So one day um after school, um, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna go to this comic shop. And the thing is, there where I lived at on the west side, there were no comic shops. So um, so I decided to go to this comic shop, and um, it was called um Windy City Comics, and it was owned by these two brothers, and they were really cool. They introduced me to a lot of a lot of different comics, but um, I basically fell in with Spawn and, and the image thing. And then um right around that time, I guess, battle chasers and all that stuff started happening
1: so um all right that was joe that was joe mads uh, (laughs) that was a a big deal also also to interrupt briefly like shout out to todd mcfarlane toys because those toys those toys were sick those were like nothing i played with when i was a little kid right yeah Yeah. 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 those (laughs) came out it was like yo
3: yeah, so I started reading um, comics secretly because uh, I didn't think any of my friends would uh, would, would understand Yo, reading comics. Common. Right, because right? Yep, yep. you know, I came from a very rough neighborhood. So I'm like, where I'm from, people don't read comics. So I would buy comics and seek, sneak them into my grandma's basement and read them secretly. And then I would come back out like after an hour or two. My friends would be like, Where'd you go? And I'm like, you know, I just went walking around the city or something. Couldn't tell them that you know I was going to comics. <laughs> but um, it, it what I ended up starting to play around my junior, senior year of high school. Um, after reading so many comics, I decided um, I think I could write them. And so what I started doing, um, I started trying to find books in, on how to write comics. But at that time, there were no books out on how to write comics. You know, the the internet was still. I guess in its infancy stage, if you want to call it that, you know, mid-90s, um, late-90s. But so um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take an art class. So I took a comic book art class that was given by this institute called the Marwin Institute, where basically all you had to do is sign up and you can go to this class every week for free. And so I was in a room full of artists. And I mean, some of these guys were, they were all doing manga at the time, but, they were, mm-hmm. but some of these guys were phenomenal and me, I couldn't even draw a stick figure. <laughs> but the reason I decided to take the class was because I really wanted to understand what artists saw on a page. Because mm-hmm. I was a, I, I, I was a writer. Or at least that's what I wanted to be. I didn't know that's what I was going to be. And so um, I just started writing. I just started writing comics and slowly started picking up styles and started um, finding other scripts. And then you know, late two thousands or whatever, people started coming out with books on how to write comics and. There was um, the comics um, script writing – no, script writers on comic book script writing. It had, like, all the big major guys like Garth Ennis, Todd McFarlane, you know, all the, big, all the big guns at the time who mm-hmm. talked about their writing processes. And one of the things that I took away from that book was Garth Ennis says that he writes – that um, when, he write, when he's writing comics, he draws the panels in the, um, in the, um, in the bleeds of his notebook. And that's exactly what I started doing. So that's kind of how I started writing comics.
2: Cool, cool. Um, do you have a favorite all-time? Who's your favorite all-time writer?
3: Right now, um, it's still Garth Ennis. Preacher Garth always Nettis. gets
2: me. <laughs> mm. All right, all right. Cool, cool. Nice choice. Um, what about you, Jason?
0: story? Man, that's a long story. <laughs>
2: um... It, it can be as long as you uh, want man yeah no 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 that's welcome
1: it is, that, that is yeah. that, i don't think that's supposed to be a short story exactly. some people yeah, yeah. some people it occasionally is but i don't think it's supposed to we,
2: we've, okay, had okay, okay. I... we've had a few people cry
3: we've had a few people cry
0: in the beginning there was so no, um uh i'm from new orleans louisiana and uh I started drawing when I was, like, a real little kid, when I was, like, three years old. And uh, I, my mom used to, like, talk on the phone and do doodles and grapes and stuff on little sheets of paper. And I would just follow behind her and I would sit at the table. And, you know, the longer I spent, the more fun I had. So I was, you know, an artist, I guess. You know, she would, she would always give me paper and she'd buy me books and toys after work, every day after school. And uh, I loved cartoons, like, my whole life. And superheroes especially. Like whenever there was a superhero cartoon, I'm in front of the television, like Saturday morning whatever. So uh when I was 10, I discovered comics. Like a couple of uh we we just we a couple of friends of mine started uh going to the local comic shop, like, and this was like our first foray into like going places by ourselves. So we used to like we we, you know, in the neighborhood, uh It was kind of sectioned off from, I lived in a place called New Orleans East, where it was about maybe 15 minutes from the city. So it was like suburban area. And uh, we had this big street, Reed Road, and on Reed was this comic shop, but it was like a little ways from my house, you know. So, you know, a bunch of eight and 10 and nine-year-old kids, you know, as a group, we would walk each other down there and like, you know, go into uh, our local comic shop called The Bookworm. And uh, it was ran by Miss Pauline, and she just kind of loved us all. And she would sell back issues of things, four for a dollar. And that was back when comics were still, like, 75 cents or whatever. But then you could go in her shop and get, like, old comics for, like, a dollar, like, four of them. So we used to just troll her back issue section. Mm -hmm. And, And then... I I would when I started sort of making my own money or getting my little allowance, I would go in there and I bought my first comics from her. And uh, it was like Robin number one and like amazing Spider-Man. It was an Eric Larson issue, Uh, like he was powerless or whatever in it. And uh I would sit at the table and I would trace. Like I'd get some typing paper and trace it, and like make my own like comics. You know, like I'd do my own dialogue and whatever, and create my own stories with drawings from other comic books. And that, at the time um uh, what is, I used to love Captain America. Uh, Ron Lim was drawing Captain America. Uh, back I used to love thing. Ron Lim. Ron Lim slept yeah. on, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so back in the day, I used to like steal around limb drawings, and I created like these whole worlds with Marvel and DC characters, kind of in in the same universe, in the same comics. You know, like if if I didn't like, you know, say it was like Black Cat on a page, and I wanted it to be Catwoman, I would just draw Catwoman. You know, like yeah. in, in the same pose, but and uh so that's how that's kind of like how my love for comics started and my love for wanting to do it. Like when I was 10, I was like, this is the job that I want. Like, I was like, you know, this is a job. So I want to do this job. Fast yeah. forward uh, in high school, I went to the New Orleans center for creative arts and uh, I, I was like the worst artist in the class. Uh, and, and you had to <laughs> audition, <laughs> you had to audition to get in. And the teachers, like there was a triumvirate, three teachers, and they were like this big tribunal, you know, I was a little kid, and I'm like, oh, man, these people are artists, they're gonna tell me, you know, that I'm in, that I'm one of them, and they were like, you're the margin, of people that we let in, you're at the margin. <laughs> he the just made the absolutely
2: communicated
0: yeah. that to you. Yeah, they they kill me, man. Like wow, like,
1: man. I hate you. as sure. a
2: teacher. As a teacher, I hate to hear. Are stories
1: you specifically about you. mad about that? Like, I, in a way, I feel that's sort of refreshing because, like, they're also not bullshitting you.
0: Right. All right, but there's not.
1: There's not. But you know what, though, I.
2: I find I've found many ways, not to sidetrack, but I've definitely found ways to, uh, you know, be supportive. To communicate but also, that, but yeah. also push people. Yeah, you can yeah. push people without like killing their creative spirit.
0: Right. Well. Anyway. And, and, anyway. And I feel you about keeping it real, but at the same time, it's like you know this this is a a fourteen year old kid. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to kill him too hard. And there are, I agree with Marcus. There's a way to give constructive criticism, and not rip somebody's dreams apart you know what I'm saying yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh so anyway I feel like I got my revenge yeah but um <laughs> I, was the margin, I was I came home I was distraught I didn't want to draw at the table that day and my mom was like what's wrong and I told her what happened and my mom actually came to NOCA and she uh talked with the teachers and they let me in and your, then, your, mom, your mom got you in yeah, man, my mom went. That's that's one of the best things she ever did for me. She went and she's like, y'all gotta let him in. Yeah, I didn't hear the conversation. I was outside <laughs> <laughs> messing around or whatever, but I don't know what she told him. But uh yeah, so they she they got me in, ended up graduating uh from there and from McDonough thirty five. It was like a NOCA, you do half day high school, half day NOCA, and I graduated from both and uh I wanted to do comics really bad but i couldn't get a handle on it especially in new orleans there's not a lot of opportunity for that kind of art like they're crazy artists in new orleans and they do you know work that centers around jazz and the city and the culture of the city but there's not a lot for like people like me who want to draw superheroes or like entertainment type stuff you know so um uh, so fast forward to uh, 2005, Hurricane Katrina happens, and, I, you know, we all got expelled from the city. And a friend of mine that I had met uh, two weeks prior at my first San Diego Comic-Con invited me to come live with him. It's a guy, Lee Moyer, uh, one, of my, one of my closest friends, and actually my mentor. He's an illustrator out of Portland, like, and he didn't know me at all at the time. He was like, you know, I hear you're displaced. You know, we just met, I, you know, see your passion, come and stay with me while you're displaced and I'll show you what, you know, the ropes of like Photoshop and how to be an illustrator. And it changed my life, man. Like I I went, I stayed in Portland for seven months and I watched his day-to-day and he's a freelance illustrator. Like he does theater posters, he does movie posters, he does all kinds of stuff, like a a crazy hustler, but very professional. And I got to see the ropes of that when I ended up leaving Portland and went back home, I had made a couple of connections. Uh, I was able to do some work for wizards of the coast and Hasbro, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Adam cook, who's also an illustrator. He now works for uh, a company called super genius. He's an art director there. Uh, we used to walk the convention floor at San Diego together and like talk to art directors and talk to editors and and bother them and beg them for work and stuff. And uh, he was kind of like my co D in that area. And I still hadn't gotten to do comics though. I was doing a lot of like concepts and illustration stuff, you know? Um, But then in 2012, I finally decided that I wanted to publish my own stuff. I was like, I have this story I've been marinating on for a long time and me and my co-creator John Milton decided uh we wanted to put one nation out. So uh I drew the thing. <laughs> you know, I called Al Verne and I was like, man, I need I need somebody that can script, I need somebody that can write, and we had met at a previous convention. I never remember that part of the story.
1: Oh, man. yeah, right, hold on. <laughs> we met at a
3: previous convention like three years prior.
1: <laughs> which which convention do you guys meet at?
3: San, I think Diego? It was San Diego, right? So, yeah. San Diego?
1: yeah. <laughs> Were you tabling or just like as attendees? Attendees. No, just, just <laughs> walking around.
0: Just hanging. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, so we met. And three years later, I call him in 2012. <laughs> and I'm like, I need a writer. I need somebody good. And <laughs> I went through many writers, but Al was the one that I really clicked with. And Asian uh, started publishing it uh, in 2012. And then, you know, fast forward to now, we're at One Nation number three, you know, we're at uh, Kid Carver's number two, and, you know, we've had a great working relationship ever since and ropes, I think, of this indie thing together, right?
3: Yeah. You can say it better. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... That's Jason's that yeah. origin story, people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Indeed. So, so let's stay on that that let's indie that, idea for a for a moment. Um, you know, for a lot of us, like you guys yeah, both mentioned, um, like some big two uh, influences as creators when you were growing up. But, um, you know, I think it's funny for a lot of us, you know, we we grew up wanting to uh, draw for draw or write for either of the, the big publishers. But, um, you know, some of us continue after that and some of us really decide to try to go the independent route. So um, my question to both of you is, I guess an extension of the origin story question is like, what um what was that process for you like you know or was it just was it just natural did you just naturally decide like I have my own stories I want to tell and this is the route I want to go?
3: Well, I um I guess I'll start for me um it it it's, it, it guess it came out of a, a fear of um of disappointment. Um, once I started writing comics, I was like, okay, I want to submit. You know, I want I want to submit, and every time I would look up. Um, a place to submit, it was always like um, we no longer take submissions. And at that time, you know, you want to work for Marvel and DC. And um, I wanted to do Sam and Twitch. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really yeah, wanted to do a Marvel fun. DC. I wanted to do some Ty McFarland. I wanted to really work with Ty McFarland. I wanted to work on Spawn stuff, but I really wanted to do Sam and Twitch. And um, every time I would look to submit something, either no matter where it was, it was always... We're not accepting submissions. So I was working at a coffee shop. And so one day I called up a whole bunch of friends and it was like, meet me, me at my job. And they all met me. It was like four or five of us. And we sat around the table and I, and I said, I want to start a publishing company. And they were like, what? I was like, I want to publish comic books. I was like, I have ideas, I have stories, and there's no place accepting them. So I want to write them and I'm going to find artists to, to help me draw them, but I want to publish them. And um, my friend, Mike Wiley, he's a, um, he's a comedian, he was the first person who was like, okay, let's do it. And and, and from then on, it was just like, okay, we're just going to start making comics. And that's how it was for me.
0: Hmm. Um, very similar. I mean, just like rejection and, and, and no positive doors necessarily being open in comics. Like in, in illustration, I had got like, you know, and really good contacts you know and, and and work and stuff, and then when i when I was but every time I tried to do comics, it was like a door being closed, you know um or or you would ha- or you would have to take like work for indie publishers for like no money, so uh you just kind of get tired of that. you get tired of uh trying to push forward and knowing that you have ideas and knowing that you have talent. And it, you know, I was like, I'm going to do it anyway, you know, and you always hear the bigger publishers say, or the mainstream publishers say, well, prove to us that you can do it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was on that bandwagon back in 2012. I was like, okay, I'm going to prove that I can create these things, you know, and create them well. Um, and that's kind of what spurred me into, you know, the indie realm and to start making my own stuff that's cool. Um
2: yeah, it, it made me think uh you know, you were talking earlier about just your very early memories of you know, seeing your mom drawing and how, you know, drawing was just something that was 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 there for you. Right. So do you feel like um just ha- having grown up with with some, you know, creative influence in your life also helped to maybe build your your calluses cuz Cause, cause, you know, referring back to that earlier story, you had some, you know, maybe rejection younger but you you kept moving through so what what do you think it was that kind of kept you um moving forward where other people kind of stopped
0: um yeah there's I, I built you know new orleans i don't know if it's as rough as chicago or whatever but new orleans is a little rough too you know so uh there's there's just life callus that you're building up right, along right. the way that you can apply to whatever it is you do you know I just so happen to do art, but I got friends that do everything, hustlers, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Mm. So there's a certain amount of callous that I just, just life has given me, but also art wise. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm 14 years old and they're telling me, "Ah, oh, you're sucks, work You can't go to Noka. I had to build up a callus for that. You know, I went home that day. I cried <laughs> a little bit, but after that, I, I just start building it up, you know, but what, um, and then there's all. There was also a stigma uh, when we were little, in like high school and junior high school. People were always like, "You that dude that draw? You know, you read those comic books? That's crazy. You know, like Alfred <laughs> was saying earlier. But we. I was a rapper. We... <laughs> sorry. Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Okay.
2: Okay. Wait. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. What, what, what was your rap name?
3: <laughs>
0: huh?
2: Oh, what was oh, your rap name?
3: Oh God, I can't. I don't even remember it now. <laughs> I was a I was a big Bone Thugs and Harmony fan, so I'm sure you had something to do with that. <laughs> I'm
0: learning I'm learning so much about you tonight. <laughs> we, we will we will put a pin in that. We we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> but, but um yeah, so me and and my friends who did do comics, but even when we were little, we were like people. You know, at first it was like, oh man, these dudes are not gonna accept us. These people are not gonna accept us. But we were like, fuck it, we read comics. Hmm that's that's what we do that's what we love we trade and you know and we go to the comic shop so that's who we're gonna be and we kind of decided that that was our identity in in high school uh in junior high school in high school and whatever so that was a catalyst that built P- so uh when people would say it in a negative we would kind of be like yeah so what, <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> um but Later in the career, when I went off and was living in Portland, you know, uh, living with Lee, Lee is very hard on art. Like this dude can talk to you about art for two weeks straight without taking a breath or a drink of water. So so he's like hard on you. Like uh, I had the, the there was a thing when I first got up there. One of our friends was like, you have the desire, but you don't have necessarily the the chops yet. And that was a thing that I had to build a callus up. People would look at, just by comparison, I mean, not even knowing me, they would see his art next to mine and they would be like, oh, well, he's not as good. You know, that kind of thing. And I had to either get good, I had to build up a callus and get good, you know? So... Uh, I've been building calluses up art-wise my entire career. Right now I'm kind of like, you know, I, it's like I got dragon scale. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not people judging me now or if they have, like, critiques, none of that stuff phases me anymore because of that whole road.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and you've also, I mean, like, you've got, you've, you've got quite a bit of proof to show anybody who would. So it's kind of it's kind of like I like I think part of the like the narrative you're describing is a, it's a little spookier than when you don't even have that when you're like no 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 like I have shit in me that's legit and it's like, <laughs> you know it's like well where is it like let's see it and you're like well no it's not I mean obviously it's not here yet you know that's kind of a common story and it's I mean that's that's some that's some like roads diverge thing because you know there are people who can't really deal with that who don't have even you know a spot to build that callus and, and they can't um right. properly correspond with or respond to 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 criticism like that i mean a lot of those people don't have like a mom that's going to talk them into an art program um so like you know you may have had some you may have had some boons <laughs> boons all the way there <laughs> oh, but, yeah, no, but i mean yeah there there's a couple boons going on yeah I mean that, but but now like you do have you have quite quite a varied body of work, um, you know. Like I, I, one of the, the reasons we wanted you on the show was definitely to talk about kid carvers, but that's not like the, that's not the, the end of it. Like
0: there's there there's a lot of stuff you have cooking. Um, oh yeah yeah, we're, we're always doing something. I I, I got like art add. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. Don't we all?
2: And are are you a, a full time artist? I mean I know you have one three three art is. Or do you have a? Are you doing art and working a day job?
3: Um,
0: no, I don't have a day job. One, three, three art is me. Is my thing. That's my job.
2: Wow. Okay. So you're living the dream. That, that's so. Yes, yeah, it's, it's dream ish. I guess. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know how it sounds. It's. It, it might sound a little oversold. I, I get that. <laughs> I know. I know there's ups and downs. But and, you I in mean, the dream in the sense up. of you know, because I'm I'm one of those like you know crazy people that tries to do it around a a, a day job so me too (laughs) for for
0: me on the on the outside looking in it it, it looks like a dream that's all i'm saying (laughs) it it, is it's fun man it's it's a fun thing to do what you love all day every day but i do have to supplement it a lot uh with you know with different jobs i still do freelance from time to time we just started uh 133 art printing for like you know to print comics for like other indies and stuff like that to kind of supplement uh whatever uh revenue we're taking in that's awesome so that but that's still keeping it within the community Um, what so what's
1: the deal with what's the deal with 133 art (laughs) first of all where'd the name come from and what is like like what are some of the goals of the of the label
0: Okay, um, you're gonna be so disappointed. With, oh God,
1: there. you you it's, it's, you pulled out of a hat. Yeah, you, you had a hat with 150 names in it. All right, Literally.
0: Shoot. Um, all right, shoot. Watch um, him lie.
3: Watch him lie, people.
0: <laughs> I should I should start lying about it, but the truth is, yeah, it's
3: a is- different origin every time, man. No, it's just <laughs> like a like Joker.
2: It's right. getting bigger and bigger.
0: <laughs> 133 art comes from my first <laughs> email address. So, you know, when you're typing in your oh email, my name, God. you want to be, be like Big Big, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And they're like, uh, Big J is taken. What about Big J 133? Like, oh. You're like, oh, I'll be the 133rd Big J. You know, yeah. that's, that's cool. That's cool. You know, A nice round number, I guess. <laughs> um, so. So they gave me J Reeves one, underscore 133, three, and uh, I was like, huh, that's not bad. And when it came time for me to, like, say, you know, what, what they were like, what's your brand? You're creating a website. What do you want to call it? I was like, ah, art sounds good and they were like really and i was like yeah i guess <laughs> so so that's that's kind of where it comes you from. went to make your
1: website and they're like well you can't have art but you can have 133 art if you want
0: <laughs> right
1: <laughs> and you're like all
0: right that's fine too <laughs> Whatever the man gives me man you know? <laughs> wow um, that's it's, it's a you know, very
1: disappointing statement. no that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of an interesting story because it's it's about like wielding the chaos of that you yeah. know it's like that was a number that arrived to you at a specific time right. and maybe there is some some value in that i i don't I, know I don't sell it don't sell too short but it's not like you know that was the name of the man i killed or something like that <laughs> not one of those, but it's, it's kind of, that's interesting okay and yeah and so like and so if you're if you're you're also like working with other with other creatives like what what do you envision
0: as the kind of as the kind of goal for the for the label now and moving forward? Um, I, I like the okay. idea of being sort of that a multi tier kind of label like publishing other people's books as well not uh, not as not to like a, a large scale like I see Bill Campbell at Bill Campbell at Rosarium. And he's publishing like 50 books. Oh yeah. Or something like that. Something crazy. Like well, it's not crazy if you want to yeah, make, yeah. if you want to make some money, but I don't necessarily want to publish that many books at a time. I feel like my ADD wouldn't allow me to focus like that. But uh 15 books at a time might be a good a good number, you know? And uh we want to we want to expand the printing wing to do like right now we can only do floppies up to about 64 pages but we want to do a uh, paperback format like graphic novels type things and hard uh-huh. covers and we also <clears throat> on it now trying to figure out the logistics of it we want to do like convention packs for like other indies so like say you needed a certain amount of business cards a certain amount of comics printed in a and you know in a and posters and, and business. Oh dude, cards that is awesome. Yeah. So we're we're trying to figure out the logistics of it and how we're gonna present it, but okay, I need two hundred of of come to 133 Art Printing, we'll get you to your convention pack, you're out the door, you can go to a convention. Because I know from doing the shows... That that's a pain know, in the ass. <laughs> right, right, right. So instead of going to like Vistaprint, where you kind of sort of have to parse it out, you can only do this here and this right. here at Vistaprint, you can come to us and we know exactly what you need. So that, That's a
1: phenomenal idea. and I know, And that's something I know people would take advantage of. Thanks. And on top of that, to be able to take advantage of it and also keep that money within the indie community is kind of an added bonus oh, of, of working with you guys. That's that's a supreme idea, my friend.
0: Thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of where we're going with it uh, in the next year or so. Um, yeah, and we want to, you know, I like to... I, I don't like to start is all about sort of cutting out the middleman and doing everything ourselves. So, you know, that's kind of, I guess that's our marching orders, you know, that's our motto to sort of answer your question is to be hands-on, be in there. That's cool. And I'm sure
2: that, um, you know, that whole process and, and being that involved with it only adds to your, um, your creation as well, at least your, your knowledge and, and what you can bring to it as far as the uh, the printing side of things.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um we we only I my wife and I my wife is kind of like my not so silent partner in this whole thing. And when we decided to do comics in twenty twelve, uh she was like, So how much does it cost to print comics? And I was like, kind of expensive. She was like, Okay, well, how much does it cost to ship those comics? I was like, That is also expensive. She's <laughs> <It's> like she's <laughs> like, mm let's see if we can do it a different way so thank god for kimmy my wife because she has made it possible for us to print thousands of comics and not have to you know spend you know cut off our arms and legs at cutting cutting keeping costs low keeping our overhead low is what's keeping us in business so she's a brilliant woman
2: that's really cool, and it's it's cool to see uh you know comic creating couples you know I, I feel like there's more and more of those, um which which is cool just in that it disproves the whole you know lie that comics is only a, a guy's thing, and also just right. it's, it's nice to see uh you know see see teams like that I'm yeah, couple. yeah, yeah exactly. say, I, mean, Marcus, I mean you were know, you
1: were one of those couples yeah I was say, Marcus <laughs> you were part of that game, it's it's cool yeah man. no it, <laughs> it's, it's no I, I think. I think I think that 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 is a thing that's being broken. I, de- I don't know if you guys remember this because I don't think this was like a huge book, but like Top Shelf put out a book like a decade ago, if not more. And the whole point of the book was the wives of comic artists and writers. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not making no, this I up. I remember either. this at the comic store. It was a big hardcover. It was not a comic. It was like a book, like a, like a big hardcover text, and it was just stories of like the partners of male comic artists and writers, which like on first blush, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like uh, maybe like some insight. And on second blush, I'm like, what? So is that like, is that because like, that's all they are or something like the idea of the book wasn't that it was creators. It wasn't creator couples. Mm -hmm. It was like, Comments about dealing with the stresses of what comics do to your husband. And I was like, that's, I don't think that book could come out so happily today. (laughs) Because I think that yeah, uh, yeah, might have another angle on that. Um, But you know, 2007 was a different time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, 2015 is a very different time. Oh my time. God. 2016 <laughs> is like an era <laughs> past, my friend.
2: Right, right. Holy shit. We, we won't even get into all that. but Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm all right, Yeah. I'm Think, sorry. Things do change. Right. Things done not change.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I see a lot of duos in comics, uh, you know, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, significant others, significant other uh in you know kind of pushing the material and doing the things i think maybe it's a product of the idea that ips can you know make more money you know if you if you get them to more people and you own it you know mm-hmm. ownership yeah um and you know uh, i think your significant other seeing that in you i know especially for us she saw that I had a passion. She saw that I had talent and she was like, I'm going to help you any way that I can. And her profession is not comics and she doesn't have a business degree or whatever. Uh, she's actually a, a nurse practitioner. So she's a medical person, but knowing that, knowing that I need sort of that her organizational skill and, you know, just her brilliance is, is, all that she needs to kind of come to conventions and sell comics. Like, and she, she wasn't good at it at first. She had to sort of learn now she's selling more comics than I am, but <laughs> 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 like I, I'm a crap salesman, but she's actually pretty good now. Yeah. Um, yeah I think, I, I think she just saw that and she was like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Let's do this. You know? I mean, I guess it's like any other wife of any other kind of entrepreneur maybe
2: makes sense yeah but i think you do have a point about like the the fact that as things have gone in a more creator-owned direction you know it makes a lot of sense because i feel like you know trying to break into the 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 big leagues so to speak you know is is kind of a solo endeavor a lot of times so
1: no no no, it is interesting because it's like it's like right like so when you know Coming from an era where less people were owning their own creative output in comics, it's like you were you worked a job, and so you worked a job, and then you came home and it was like done, and like that was it. And then maybe your your partner also worked a job, but if you're actually owning it, like it's a thing that you both can nurture together. Um, you know, it, whether they create comics or not, like it's like, well, this isn't just me working for the man. I'm not just punching the clock at Marvel. Like I'm making, you know, I'm making, I'm making the books that I'm making. So
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's also, kind of like
0: you when you break that first million, you know, you're gonna give it to me. Right. Well that's I mean that's that's a given though. I mean it's like, only fair. It's only fair. I like, that need not yeah, I was be like, I was like I don't care about the money. I just wanna draw comics and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like you can have
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean on the on the topic of your of your art, Jason, and I want to I want to get to Al like soon after, but um on the topic of your art, it looks like you you and maybe this is based on like what you were talking about learning in Portland, but you apply a lot of different like styles and techniques, it looks like, depending on the book you're working on. So how does that like work out? Like I I would say of the of the sampling that we've seen, mm-hmm. I like would almost say that each book seems to have its own kind of design ethos its own like visual kind of style. So how do you determine that? And do you like, do you, when you start a new book, do you really seek out and say, I'm going to do it this new way that I haven't done before or something?
0: Not all the time. Um, I just, maybe one nation sort of has that kind of realistic, I guess, tone to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, more of a superhero comic book tone, just simply because that's kind of what it is. It's a superhero comic. And that, is actually kind of like my true style. That's the style I'm more comfortable working in. Okay. Um when it comes to something like kid carvers, I just try to keep it lighter. Um and and when I draw light, it kind of comes out in that way and I I like to look at a lot of influences. I'm I'm a very uh reference heavy artist. So if I'm looking at, you know, some stuff from like Sean Galloway or, you know, looking at some cartoons or you know, Calvin and Hobbes stuff, you know, then that Kid Carvers is kind of what comes out, you know, like, when I'm doing Carvers, I'm, I'm, you know, even my stuff changes, you know, I'm listening to lighter music, I'm watching, like, <laughs> you know, I'm watching, like, Bob's Burgers or whatever, like, The Simpsons. <laughs> you listen to, like, the censored
1: versions of hip-hop albums. And stuff. Right, right,
0: like, <laughs> I listen to Christian hip-hop, you know, <laughs> Um but yeah, like just just a lighter tone. But when I'm in One Nation mode, you know, I'm listening to you know Beanie Siegel. <laughs> yeah,
3: right, right, right. I got some beans, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got some beans. Got some Freddie Gibbs going. Yeah, I got you. right. I got you. Um, and and then I guess it comes from a lot of the reference that I'm using too. One Nation. I'm always thinking about like the great stuff that I've read from like Warren Ellis and mm-hmm. Grant Morrison and stuff. You know, and Garth Ennis. You know, uh. I'm always thinking about those sort of hardcore writers that I like mm-hmm. um whereas Carvers again, I'm thinking about Bill Watterson. you know, like I'm trying to trying to convey a sort of fun like tone um with Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters is probably closer is closer to one nation, but it also i I don't know what would make it different though i don't, I don't think Foo Fighters is vastly different from one nation Oh
1: um, my illustration.
0: Maybe you and Al
1: should take a moment to kind of uh, introduce these comics, because I realize we're talking—we're talking like everybody right, knows right. what the hell we're talking about. I, I, I was going
2: to circle back, but yeah, this is a good. Yeah, comment. I'm sorry.
1: No, yeah, I'm sorry because now we're getting in the weeds. It's my fault. Like
3: I, that probably should have been an earlier question. No, it's
2: all good. But... It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Al, do you want to take, take that as far as you know?
3: Oh well, I couldn't even talk about food yeah. fighters that point. That's all, Jason. <laughs> no, I, 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 okay.
2: Well, like, we you know we've spoken a lot about One Nation. How about uh, starting there?
3: Um Oh God, it's like uh, I, I, oh, can I even speak on One Nation? Here's the part where Al, <laughs> acts,
0: like, Al acts like he's not involved in One
3: Nation. I, I, <laughs> I, it's funny. I always do this. <laughs> and, I know, you, low, you, and then you, Jason goes, seriously? Seriously? Um, right. <laughs> One Nation, I guess, as is, has is, 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 is been previously described, there's a book about a group of superheroes, um, the short version. Um, and Jason, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Is basically about a group of superheroes, which mostly mostly focuses on this one superhero named Paragon, who discovers that um, there are other super beings in the world as they try to come together to change the world, only to be forced into a world war against all the world governments. That's the yeah. short version. Of how you're, I, of how I see
0: it, and I like how you act like you didn't write. Like, it. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're, that's no. a matter of fact, <laughs> <that> you wrote. <laughs>
2: Exactly, yeah, and Leo and I, you know, we, we've we've spoken about our challenges in coming up with elevator pitches. So I mean, I'm you, shy you nailed that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, that sounded good.
3: Yeah. If you're the five heartbeats, I'm shy, brother. I'm playing shy brother right now. <laughs> right. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can that's talk
3: all about Kid Carvers, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll tell them. I'll tell them about Carvers. Uh, Carvers is basically these two twin geniuses. Who uh, who solve mysteries? You know, like like a, they'll. It's almost like a Scooby Doo with black kids, where they solve mysteries, not necessarily horror mysteries, but they solve any kind of mystery around the neighborhood with like their scientific prowess. So you know, they create all these cool gadgets to solve these mysteries. In the in this in the ongoing story we have now, it's about uh, it's about a, a bike thieves have been stealing bikes throughout the city and it takes place in new orleans um on the west bank it in their neighborhood they've been having a rash of bike thefts and one of the kids bikes gets stolen and they you know uh they're like nah we're not having this we're gonna solve this so they they go into business kind of using their uh science to solve these these crimes
3: that's about
0: well right. <laughs> and i actually uh i i wanna
2: i had a, a review from a, a young reader uh you know this this morning i i reread it with my uh my daughter um and she she oh, definitely wow. gives it she gives it two, two thumbs up uh you know and i asked her <laughs> wow, i asked her what what she likes about it and she said that um you know she she liked the the kids' uh personalities but she also said that um she she liked the science aspect and she also really liked that she the kids were like her, essentially. You know, those are her words. So.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Nice. So. I know, right? Good job,
2: man. Yeah. So you guys, you guys, yeah. I think, I think, I think oh, that's your you, audience. You. I, I think she's <laughs> right. in your core audience. So you know. yeah, How old is she? She's eight. Actually, she's gonna yes. be nine. Nine. Uh, in a couple weeks. Ooh. Which is crazy Ooh. to me. But, you know.
3: Tell her thank. Yeah, tell her you. thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's a good <laughs> yeah. review. That's I'm like, like
3: jumping up and down over here. <laughs>
0: I got like a Denzel tear. Right. Right on, right
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> I, t- I told you we shed tears on this show. You
3: actually- <laughs> didn't <laughs> It's true.
0: Like it's like the sports show on Jared Maguire, where they always do
3: <laughs> play <to> play.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's that's good. Tell, thank you so yeah. much. That's one of the best reviews we've had of it.
3: Yeah, it means we're doing our job. <sighs>
2: Yeah so um where like yeah what tell us about like the the very first moment like like how how did how did the kid carvers come to be
0: Um we were doing we were doing a couple shows and we did not see uh we didn't we had a lot of we had a lot of kids come up to the table but one nation is not a kids uh friendly book so right. we saw a lot of parents with kids Who didn't have anything to buy, or there was like very little for them to buy. So I was like, "Nah, we have to, we have to create something uh, that's consumable for for younger readers." And uh, Al, I think, had similar experiences when he would do like shows or go out into the world. And uh, I called him and I was like, "Dude, I have this idea, and we gotta like, we gotta like do it." You know, we gotta have something for these young kids. And he was instantly on it, you know. Al cause Al writes a whole bunch of different stuff. Like <laughs> right, right. and he's always ready to like write something different. <laughs> you know, right. like when he starts talking about, you know, all of his stuff, you'll see like he ain't just no one trick pony. So uh after having that discussion with him, uh we have a couple other collaborators on it. Uh my wife's cousin uh there, there uh lives in new orleans and he's all he's very gung-ho about it, and he has like young kids that are around the age of 9 and 10 he was like oh man that's the, it it'll be so cool if we created x y and z and he would he kind of informs a lot of the uh, new orleans flavor in the book as well cuz he's you know i used to live down there i live in Cali now but he's like down there down there so uh it was just kind of a need, or we saw that there was a lack of content for young kids at these shows, you know? We get we get grown, and we start making comics on the independent level. <laughs> right. And, <Then> I grown. <laughs> right, we just want to make, like, HBO comics. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I
3: was
0: like, yeah, we could. I, I'm still going to make HBO comics, but I also want to <laughs> make comics. I have a three-year-old, and I also want to make comics that he can consume. So, uh,
3: yeah. That's I don't know where it goes, yeah. And I love, and I love cartoons. I'm, I'm a big cartoon kid. Like, some days I wonder why I haven't jumped into animation. But, um, like Jason said, when he called me up and started talking about the idea, I was, we were on. This, it was, it seems like it was the perfect timing because I was thinking about doing something kid friendly, but didn't know what. And then when he started talking about the idea, it just like, for me, how words tend to, in my, um, in my mind, synapses. Is, started to spark off words, and when you said Kid Carver, all of a sudden I just start seeing like all these different things, and you just start talking, and I was like, "Yeah, we could do this. We could do this." And before we knew it, it just started. You no, know, it, it was like the perfect storm,
0: right? And and the there's a there's a sort of uh, there's optics of of positivity that that I think are lacking in a lot of in a lot of stories for for black children mm-hmm. in right. general. i mean, which is great um but then you know what i'm saying right, like right. we need we need more stories about strong young black kids and i was like man we gotta we gotta be the dudes that do some of that we gotta add to that so that's what i wanted to do
2: so you know along with i mean a hundred percent i i see all of that in the work and um yeah the positivity is overflowing um it's it's, it's, it's the, the two kids are very capable on their own right, and their um scientific expertise is really dope and obviously you know we the subject of like black kids and brown kids in stem is um is something that we need to be supporting um and it's it's all in there but um one thing i, I really dig too is the book has some um you know the humor is there too like there there's a a sense of uh you know kid like energy. And I guess that was one question I have for you guys is, you know, being that we're grown and we're, you know, you guys are HBO age, as you put it, <laughs> um, like how, what was it like, you know, tapping into, um, cause it, it felt like these were, these were kids now, not necessarily like when we were kids. So like, how did you, you kind of tap into that energy um, when creating these characters?
3: For me, I, I have a five year old. So, I, um, and, um, <laughs> When I was set down to write Carvers, I just kept trying to, I I really thought about my nieces and nephews who are, again, some of them are eight and nine and some of them are a bit older. But I kind of tried to think about what we did as kids, you know, when we were kids. It's not, some things have changed. The only thing that really has changed is technology when you really think about it. Mm. Um, So I tried to think about those moments when we were kids and and try to think about what kids are doing now, which is, you know, mostly like when we were kids, we ran out and we played tag or, you know, we jumped over the rope or, you know, it or whatever. But kids now, they play, you know, more with technology than they do outside. So I just tried to put my mindset into that idea of, if I was that kid, you know, what would I be doing? And I've always loved the idea of, like, um, the stand-by-me type stories where the adults kind of fade into the background or, like, Mm. in Stranger Things. Uh, One of the things I really loved about that series was when it just focused on the kids and there were no adults. I love those moments when there are no adults because I feel like um, as kids, um, one of the things <laughs> that kids tend to have is is vast imaginations. And that's something that um, as I've gotten old, I've started to realize or even even in myself is that when we started to become adults, we, you know, we take on the, all these adult responsibilities, but we lose that idea of just being, you know, free and imagine, you know, and, and being free to imagine things. For instance, like if it rains outside, what's the first thing we do as adults? You know, we run no. for cover, right? Calling call, right. call to work, right? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> <that too. laughs> right. But you know, but like if it's raining, you yeah. grab an umbrella and you, you or you duck for cover. But most yeah. kids, they sit there and they just let the rain fall because they have no, no, no perception of I'm not. You know, they want to play in the rain, and so that's how I can. Um, towards the book was thinking about just being a kid again and just having fun and like it just really wanting to instill fun into the book and um and as this next couple of issues come out things get a little serious but I, I try to weigh that out with um like the moment where Charlie at the in the first book when Charlie is um with um Caesar the bully and then you have that moment where he meets Marley that to me, that's always my favorite scene in that book. That's great, that how, great. yeah. How, like, he's crushing on her, yeah. like, secretly crushing her or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I came into it that way. No, it's, it's, it's funny
1: because that's the kind of stuff that, like, I mean, really communicates something to Marcus and I because our comic Snow Day is, like, a lot of that is focused on this idea of, you know, kids having a kind of uh, – a, a sort of private universe – um, where they kind of contend with things That don't involve adults And like we t- I do think we take it in a darker direction Not that there's any It's, it's not, not in a lethal direction But in this notion of like You know when you were younger And you were just you know Getting into whatever humble trouble you found Like there's shit that like Your parents would never find out about That you did That you probably shouldn't have done Or, or they'd probably be really worried about But you're fine And they're never going to hear about it And it's not You really you know you didn't have a huge life risking thing <laughs> Exactly But it's like yo, know, like if parents work That means y'all are latchkey so y'all are out doing stuff yeah. and that's you're going to have like right. your own kind of, you know, little life and and that life is going to hopefully be informed by like the morals that you got from your parents and from like the books you read and from the world as you've understood it till then. But it is uh, it is a, a space that you mediate on your own. It's sort of like um <clears throat> Like, I never really played organized sports. I played organized sports when I was at a reform school. That's a long story. But I never played, like, I never, I never played on a basketball team in my high school or something, anything like that, right? And it's like, but I did play sports. Like, I used to play, like, football in the street, you know, and, like, football in the park or, like, in the snow. And it's like, you know, just playing sports with, like, your friends when you were a kid, that was, like, that was kind of, like, where you started learning diplomacy. You know, because like I don't know, you'd be like, "Yo, you were out of bounds." It's like, "No, I was not out of bounds." You got to figure that out between everybody, or the game ain't gonna go. It's like that. Don't involve adults. There's no coach. There's nobody who's just like blowing a whistle and was like, "No, I saw that. I'm calling it." You had to figure that out, and that's really valuable. And that kind of highlights that the the secret life of kids. Um, Yeah. So it's like when I was reading that, when I was reading that stuff in your story, like that was I was going right back to the stuff that Marcus and I do with snow days. I was like, "This is like this is if anything, it's occupying that." uh that space of understanding the adults are there and the adults are present and what you said about stranger about stranger things I would totally agree with I think that much of the better parts of that series were where the adults faded into the background but sometimes they didn't sometimes the adults were prominent for like 20 minutes or something and it was like it was like I like let's you know let's get let's get to the good stuff like we want to get back to the kids right now (laughs) is that totally true that's totally true um, and Kid Carvers ends on something on a slightly darker note, with the kind of crime thing <coughs> that seems to be the crux of the of this
0: arc. It, has yeah, it gets even crazy. End. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, oh, no, I totally agree with that. I, I don't want to step on your toes. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. All, all
2: I, I was gonna say was uh, was that uh, you know, on the note of you know, ending on a darker note, there was something really interesting that you did there. Um, which was the idea of how, you know, when you're like nine or seven years old, you know, somebody who's like 15 seems like just huge and menacing, yeah. especially, <laughs> if, you know, and like the yeah. um, when you guys showed kind of a, a glimpse of, uh, you know, the, the bike thieves. Um, it was interesting because I feel like having um, been following the story through the eyes of Charlie and Marley, like, you know those um those thieves did seem menacing in that way because it's it's a crime where nobody's necessarily dying or in any type of mortal danger but it feels it feels larger than life you know and there there's one scene where you know where where after the bike is stolen where you know charlie it is he feels the way it impacts him it might as well have been like somebody died you know so
0: yeah well yeah. when you're like when you're like a kid, that stuff is like amplified. I mean, we're adults, yeah. A bike gets stolen, you're like, Yeah, that sucks. But that's the <laughs> you way know, it, exactly. you know, but when you're a kid, like uh there was speaking of Stranger Things, there was a line in Stranger Things. Uh Hopper goes, he's trying to find uh, Will, wheel and he he sees the bike in the woods and he goes, He would never leave this bike here. He would he, they're like, but it was like it, it's on a flat or whatever, and he's like Nah, he would never leave this bike here. This bike is like a Cadillac to these kids. And
1: that's
0: (laughs) when you're a kid, you know, like that bike is like, not only is it like a Cadillac to him, but his dad gave it to him, you know? Um, And he looks up to his dad. So that thing getting taken is just like your whole world and your transportation anywhere is like, Hmm. oh, and Marley, she hates that. She hates to see her brother you know, in pain. That's not only her twin, but she kind of feels like all, a little bit like his big sister. So she has yeah. to take care of him. And, uh, yeah. So we, we kind of play it from, from the, when you're a kid, your word, the world is like huge to you. You know, like, like, I mean, the world seems big to me now that I want to travel and I'm an adult and I can do those things, but your little world like your neighborhood seems so huge to you i mean yeah. when i was a kid i lived in several different places you know in my life i used to live in canada uh i lived in canada for like a year when i was like 7 maybe or 6 and uh in the neighborhood the kids used to love like thundercats and transformers and all that and we whatever transformer you got for christmas or your birthday or whatever you would bring it out, and, and a whole—I mean, like a like twelve kids would be on the street. And if you got Bumblebee for Christmas, you were you were frigging Bumblebee. And if yeah. you got Optimus Prime, <laughs> Yo, you got, like, I remember kid, that. one Yo. kid had, like Megatron, and he's Megatron. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. We went like the, we we would fly around the whole damn neighborhood shooting at each other with transformers and we were we were the transformers that's how cool it is yeah, you know yeah. we wanted to convey that's how cool it is to be a little kid you know
1: yo that was to me like the transformers that was like the cadillac of action figures like i never right. had i never <laughs> had many transformers in my life i would have like one i would get and then, like, yeah. I would learn how to transform that shit so fast because I transformed it yep. so many times. And I became like, it was like the Rubik's Cube. It's like I was the Stephen Hawking of that <laughs> specific Transformer. <laughs> Like, usually, like, the way I would get more Transformers, of anything, is, like, sometimes you'd find someone who would trade with you, if not temporarily, like, permanently. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, you right. really like theirs, and they really like yours. You were like, all right, we switch them. And it was like, yeah, like, How- I used to see this shit about with the Transformers that they put together, like, the Constructicons. Yeah. And I was like, five Transformers at once? Are you insane? That would never happen if like, <laughs> ever. That's like... Yo, that's like that's like having a, a, a champagne hot tub, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I,
2: I never knew anybody that had all of them, but I, we, we would have like groups of people that would like, you know, each have a combined piece,
1: forces. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew, yeah, yeah. I, I, yo, I knew, a, I knew a couple. I knew a couple of, you know, I knew a couple people. One, oh, you, know? you knew some devastator households. A couple, yeah, oh like yeah, seriously. And I was
0: like, <laughs> yo, how the hell? But yeah. <laughs> one one dude had Jetfire. Whoa! Uh, oh jet fire. oh you know, my God! Jetfire anywhere, and he was like, he was like the sixth man of like every Transformers battle. Like you'd be fighting, right. and you might take down Bumblebee, you might take down Prime, but when Jetfire stepped on the scene, that <laughs> Jetfire saved <laughs> like all the Autobots, man. <laughs> like he was, was a pimp. pimp. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> no, even on the show, yeah, I remember that,
1: man.
0: Wow. Yeah, man. It, it's, but that, I mean, that's how fun it was.
1: Like, and we. Wait, what are to you? What are your most favorite day. Transformers, real quick? Since apparently we all have a connection to this thing. What's your? What's I'm your a, I'm I was. A,
2: a, I. Oh, you go, you go.
0: Oh no, I'm a Prime dude. I'm your prime. prime Oh dude. yeah. Of course you would be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the easy answer. <laughs> <yeah>, that's <laughs> the easy. All right, all right. What else? No, because
3: no, no, he's goody two shoes now. <laughs> Anybody who loves Prime is Goody Two Shoes to me. It's all about Megatron. Oh, Come on, Everybody cool. knows Megatron. Oh, this is okay, where you guys work well together.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this, is, this is my this is my issue with Megatron. This is my issue yep. with Megatron. How are you gonna, you know, be a big transformer with a, a huge cannon on your arm and then transform it into, into a smaller gun? gun.
1: I, I never understood that. Never Someone understood else that. had to hold. I never understood that. <laughs> also how come how come he's like okay well why,
3: why why we gotta bring it up <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean yo, that, it, yo, that's shrinking
2: man although you know what maybe maybe he's he's that bad badass you know what i mean that he's like yo i don't even need this cannon Like, right, I, can, right. I can turn it into a tiny pistol and, right, and that's right, enough right.
1: and that's enough to do it i guess well, marcus what's Take yours i feel show. like i feel like i must have asked you this who's your guy
2: I got, I got two. I, I was a jazz man just because jazz was the first one I got, um, you know. And then, uh, yeah, and he was cool. And you know, jazz was black too. So, you
3: yeah. Know, but, Except um, for in the movies, you know. Yeah, I like right. Um, yeah.
2: I, I don't even know what I don't know what that is. I've never seen. <laughs> right, but, right. Let's not... <laughs> <Wait a minute. laughs> Don't mention yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, look, I I actually saw like I caught like I don't know, maybe. Thirty minutes of uh, Transformers Two, the one with the the racism bots, oh, man. and and, and that, that was enough for me. That was yep. enough for me. So I, I'm, I'm done. Um, nah, but I also Shockwave, man. I, I like Shockwave. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: I can go Shockwave too. Oh, you hold on. Oh, hey, you try a cool me design. Shock, shockwave. No, no. Oh, not- okay, okay.
2: Yeah, Shockwave, the one that didn't he stay on Cybertron? I yeah, don't think he, he stayed. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Yeah. Right. I, just, I just a... thought he had an ill design and he just was kind of. Uh, <laughs> he was always
1: he was kind of scary too. Yeah, 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 no, no, he, no. He was dope. He was dope. I'm, I'm, I'll forever be a Soundwave guy. Soundwave, Soundwave, <laughs> oh, is the man. You see? There you go. Yeah.
0: Now, yeah. I, I do like, I do like Metroplex. I don't know if that's gonna make me more. Oh, yeah. too. No, no, Metroplex no, no. No, 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 Metroplex was that. <laughs> yeah,
2: Metroplex was larger than life. I remember the. Yeah, yeah. That was that was cool. That's a toy I never saw. I never saw the oh, toy.
3: i version. seen one. I don't I think saw, I ever saw it. I had it. Metroplex. I got
0: him. Oh, man. Christmas. Oh, oh, so you dad sold a lot of, my dad sold a lot of drugs that Christmas. So <laughs> <Metroplex. laughs> Keep, Keeping it real. Keepin oh, it real.
1: man. <laughs> man, man so people, yo, that's the. That's how. That's how Hasbro got up. he did it. Is that in the new show Snowfall? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, that's got to be in. Hasbro.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, don't let the Republicans hear you talk about this.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Transformers.
1: <laughs> man, man, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, dude! Oh my God! I mean, you know, I think that's the first time we've ever had a conversation about like your favorite transformer on the show. Amazingly, I don't know how that's never yeah. come up before. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's, it's going to have to be a
2: standard, man. It's going to have to be, you know, it's yeah, really like, getting to know somebody. You
1: might need to make a database because I feel <laughs> yeah. like you know it's weird because like there's something that's, like you ask somebody like their favorite Ninja Turtle and it's like there's four, dude. Like all <laughs> right, like you're gonna get a, you're gonna get an answer you, I sort of expect, you know, but it's <laughs> like. It's, like, Transformers has such a, like, wide variety of characters. Like, we could probably go through that a lot. And, like, there going to be a lot of people who, like, the people who like the little, like, the ones that no one knows about, you know? And they like right. the, the secret hipster Transformers and shit. <laughs> I think we're going to start asking that. I think this is going to be a, to be a regular on the show.
0: You tell what kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: like, don't trust them Starscream uh, lovers. Don't, who don't, loves, don't, 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 loves Starscream? No one would ever love Starscream.
2: <laughs> that's what i was about to say he was like yo, the when, worst but the most entertaining though i hated
1: uh, him as a kid yeah. so bad like i hated him like i like actually that was like an er, that was early emotions you know? and i was like yo, yo, oh yo. Was like,
2: oh, You're like yo these yeah, like, jets ain't loyal he's Jet no, Saint loyal. Saint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! Oh, we need a tip for that. All right, you just ain't loyal is good. That's good. We're giving it away tonight, Marcus. We're giving oh, it away for wow. free. That's that's. I know, man. <laughs> oh man! Um, oh man! All right. Um, do you do you, you want to talk about rumblings? You want to talk about things going on? Things going on in life?
2: Yeah. Actually, wait. Real quick, though, I I, I do want to just get a little bit more into writing with with Al. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. We'll get into that. Let's go. So, yes, so, yeah, So, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that you you know do all types of writing. So, yeah. You know, t- tell us a little bit about that. Some of the things you've written and also just, I guess, your approach to writing in different mediums. Is it do you kind of approach it the same way with all of the mediums you write in or? Does uh, it no,
3: it's all different. Um, I got a crime novel out right now called um, Only the Holy Remain. Um, it's out by Vital Narrative Press, which is a black owned um, indie publisher in uh, Memphis. Um, So they put out my first crime novel um, back in November and um, it's been doing pretty well. I'm working on a second novel right now, which will be called blue religion. Um, So that's just in the prose, I guess um, the prose form, Um, but how, uh, so um, I guess the way I'll talk about it is I'll talk about what, what it is. And then I'll talk about how I write it just to keep it all categorized, I guess. Um, So, uh, so when I write novels, I tend to write them, and composition notebooks, and I write longhand. So oh, wow. it takes me about three, maybe four composition notebooks front and back before a novel's finished. So that's about 75, 80,000 words, usually. You it handwrite takes, all your novels? Yeah, I handwrite all my novels.
2: <laughs> so wait, let, let, let's talk about that. Because like, I've heard people um, you know, discuss um, hand, handwriting things, especially in this era, <laughs> And, you know, people have, what, what, what's your, um, what is it about that for you that drew, draws you to that?
3: Um, what I love about handwriting, um, just about anything, um, is that I feel more connected to the work than if I'm typing it or, you know, or if I'm, you know, whether it be at a computer or a laptop or, you know, a tablet. But for me writing, um, it's, it's more, I'm more connected to the story, I'm more into the story. Like I get lost in the story um, when I'm handwriting. And usually those are usually my first drafts, um, but I don't call them first drafts. <laughs> I just I just call them drafts. Um, so usually my first, first real draft is when I start to type it up. That becomes my first draft. But everything that's in the notebook, the reason I like the notebook is because the margins are there. So I can write notes on the side. I can talk about characters. I can go off on tangents, whereas if I'm typing, it's hard to do, you know, because you're stuck in that, that one format of the page, you know, or writing down the page instead of across the page, you know, and, and in the margins and stuff like that. So that's why I tend to like handwriting um, most things. Just, I'm just more connected to it. Now um, I, I write, like, as I said, I write different things. So as you know, I write comics and I write graphic novels. Um, I have a graphic novel out called Virgin Wolf. Um, it's basically a story about a young woman named Virgin who's hunting the father of all werewolves. in 1605 France. And then I have a choose, your own, a choose your own adventure Or as we like to call it Choose your own destiny um, Crime noir graphic novel called Dime, which is a story about A young detective who is um, Hired by a wealthy philanthropist To find her husband's killer And is pulled into a larger conspiracy um, Oh, I so, gotta read yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Yeah That one is dope Oh, thank you, thank you Yeah, so um, that's some of the stuff And as you know Kid Carvers and um, One Nation. I also write those. Um, I also write a. Um, I write a plethora of different comics. Um, so I also write a um, action adventure series called r Square, um, which you can download for free from Peep Game Comics. Um, you can download 200 pages of that for free. Um, wow. And that's basically about a former assassin who um who is who is basically I guess um. I don't want to say it. I haven't written it in so long. I haven't talked about it in so long. It's basically about a former assassin who's pulled into a conspiracy to assassinate the president only to find out that he is part of a a government, uh, a secret government sale. I guess that's the way you want to, I can put it. Um, But for comics, I tend to write um, longhand and type. So in comics, it depends on tend to, I'll tend to start typing but then I'll jump into a notebook, and sometimes I'll jump into a notebook, and then I'll start typing. Like for Kid Carvers, um, the way I started writing that was that um, I would just open up a um, tablet and just um, outline um, the page or, or lay out the page of how I thought the page should be, and then I would just type from there. Um, but when I'm writing One Nation, I tend to how write. I, I tend to, to those, start. What's how that? Never, how come I never get to see none of those layouts? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll start including them in the script if you like. I just don't. I feel like you're an artist. So you know what you like. And I just.
0: I mean, what yeah, say? I know. What I'm doing, but, you know, I might not use them, but yeah. I still want.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll start doing that. But yeah, that's ten. That's usually how I tend to write for Carvers. But for One Nation, I write. Um, I'll start in a notebook. Um, I'll start writing in a notebook and then slowly somehow jump into comics. Um, I also write television and film also, um, my latest, um, television pilot was a, um, was a finalist for the stage 32, um, um, teleplay competition. It was called soul survivor. And it was basically about a guy who, um, who gets a reprieval from God and, um, God tells him that, um, he gives him this bag and he tells him anything that appears within the bag, he has to use in order to save someone's soul. So, um, so that was that. And then um, me and my writing partner, Aaron Lewis, we wrote a um, future screenplay called Land Bastards um, about the untold true story about a group of Afro-German entertainers who banded together and became a freedom fighting force that fought against Hitler as he was coming into power. And that became a second round um, script in the Austin Film Festival. So I tend to write a lot mm. of different things. But for teleplays and um, future screenplays, I tend to type those. I don't have to go in notebooks, but I tend to write the outline, the Bibles, in notebooks. So I'm uh, I'm an eccentric kind of weird writer, I guess, in that way. <laughs> so I guess that, that tells you a little bit about what I'm working on and what I have done. Um, anything else you want to know? I didn't mean to go on for so long.
0: No, no that, <laughs> that, that last thing is,
1: what's the what's the last thing you were talking about, about the Afro-German freedom fighters? Yeah. What is the deal with that? I've, I've never heard of that, personally. Yeah,
3: it's called Rhineland Bastards, and it's a true story about a group of, like I said, Afro-German entertainers who banded together and basically opposed Hitler as he was coming into power. Um, one of the wow. stories you can look up is a guy called Laurie Giles. He, um, he was a tap dancer entertainer in vaudeville, and um, as Hitler started rising up through the ranks um, as, a, as a politician, Laurie Giles was one of the first people to say to the world and to, not, and to Germany, we can't let Hitler come into power. And so as the Nazi party started to gain power, Laurie Giles created uh, an opposing political party to oppose um, Hitler um, as the Fuhrer. As we all know, Hitler won and the Nazi party dominated Germany. But one of the first things Hitler did was when he came into power, he sent six SS, uh, um, SS officers to Lory Giles' home. They pulled him out of his bed, and on the night that Hitler became the Fuhrer or, you know, became the president, whatever you want, of Germany, um, the chancellor of Germany, he had Lory Giles killed. They, they pulled him out of his bed in front of his wife and daughter and shot him in the head six times. And that's how... And the reason Hitler did this is because... Um, he was afraid of Lori Giles because Laurie Giles was trying to tell the world what Hitler was, was going to become or what he was up to. There was no, um, at the time, before Mein Kampf came out, there was, no, there were, there were, um, there were trembling, I, I guess you could say, of what Hitler had in mind. And so this story, um, the screenplay that me and my writing partner wrote, Ryan Lamb Bastards, tells a story about a group of Afro-German entertainers who work in this, um, this, this, um, this vaudeville show called Africaville as they travel the Rhineland and slowly um, they're being oppressed by Hitler as he starts to um, crack down on, on, um, on Afro Germans. And by that, um, he basically started cutting out jazz music, which was really big at the time and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and um, started um, forcing the entertainers to basically, what we would see here in America, where they would have to go in through the back door and stuff like that, start taking away some of these, um, some of their rights, as they, these inalienable rights. Well, one of the last things that Hitler did <clears throat> is called the Rhineland sterilization. And what he did was that he gathered up every basically black German that there was and uh, that he could find, and he sterilized them all. And, oh. most, and mainly most of these were kids. Um, so what he did was that, um, how it started was that in World War One, a lot of, um, a lot of um, black Africans came over here and fought um, during war, came over into France and fought during World War I. Well, after World War I, they stayed in Germany and married um, German women, most of them being white women. And, and so this um, region became known as the Rhineland, and it's where a lot of... Um, African soldiers and black people settled, and so what Hitler did was that he gathered up all of the kids of these former soldiers and sterilized them, because that was his way of eradicating um, the black gene right,
1: the blood in Germany.
3: Line. Yeah, and so we wrote the story about that, and and um, and now it might be a graphic novel, um, but um, I'm still working on it, um, and and it still might be a film, but it's something that. Um, I felt like nobody has ever heard of it. You know, when I first heard it, I was like, wait, there are black people in Germany?
1: (laughs) I I had had one of the first places I remember reading about that was, um, I don't know if y'all remember, but DC had a series um, back in the day called Solo, which is like they would have like an artist, writer, like just create their own shit, like a a book, usually like an oversized comic of it. Um, And Darwin Cook's. Uh, one included a story about a, like a black jazz musician in Germany that I want to say was like, it was not about what you're talking about, but it was kind of like uh, a, you know, an introduction to like that idea and about like the stresses they experienced and the kind of, it was weird because they were like literally like Nazi soldiers who like, like jazz. So they like wanted them to perform the jazz. Like there was some that were like, you know, they would kind of like let a club just do what they had to do and not tell anybody because they enjoyed the music, which is friggin' bizarre, you know? Mm. And yeah, and like so, and that, I remember that had my brain kind of percolating about that that topic. <laughs> yeah. um, but I have not heard about the specific story that you're talking about. That sounds awesome, man.
3: Yeah, so we wrote this film, and uh, we did. We got coverage on it, and we got some really great coverage. Um, where it basically came back, where it, it was this idea um, that the coverage writer wrote. She goes, um, "We had two different coverage from two different production companies, and each one came back. they like." Any black actresses and actors are gonna love to be in this movie because it's an untold true story and they're powerful characters. And some of the female characters that we have in, in the movie are they're just very powerful and strong. And we we really tell the story about this group that that fights against all adversity. At one at one point in the film, they're literally going against the whole Nazi army to save these kids from the sterilization that Hitler is going is um, working towards. Mm. You know. And there's this whole story about the Commission Number Three. There's so much history about this, and you know, and we, we we tell it in a film, you know, two hour and five minute film, yeah, you know, or 125 pages.
0: Wow, that's so.
3: Amazing. If I ever adapt that, I think I might be up for an Eisner. So who knows?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Hey. All right, let me draw it then.
1: You well, serious.
3: You <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we we've had a couple of people, like we said, we we've, we've had some readers. We put out some contests, and um what was really cool about it is that one of the the coverage readers um reached out reached out to us personally, and she said as she was reading it, she was crying. So I was like, okay, oh, wow. I know I did my job, you know.
1: That's, that's a good sign. That's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. sign.
3: <laughs> so you know, we'll we'll see where it goes, but um. I'm. I work on a lot of different things right now. Um, um, I guess I can talk about it in a way. I, um, I'm developing an animated kids show. Um, so, it, um, so I can't tell you what it is just yet. But as you can see, I'm always, I'm always kind of working on something. And I'm, um, I'm writing a manga, which I, I, my first manga, I wrote with Jason. It's for One Three Three Art, um, Black Lotus.
0: Yeah, you better say that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm developing a manga for this um Shonen Jump contest that's happening. So, I'm I'm always writing something of some sort. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah.
2: Definitely. And if, if we could real quick um I just want to we you know, we we spoke about One Nation and you definitely gave the the pitch to it, but um I just want to speak about it a little bit because I I think it's a really um you know, fascinating approach to to superhero stories. Um, one of the things that happens is I know a lot of people who, a lot of us love, you know, the big publishers, but sometimes we get fatigued because it feels like they're just moving the furniture around. Um, and I think what you guys have done with that story, um, is is really interesting. You got characters like Paragon. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you, uh, Jason, well, both of you at really as creators, but about the, um. The process of coming up with that design, because even that design of a of a black man with a um, you know wearing the, a, a torn flag like around his head, like you know, it's that's a very, there's a lot there. It's a layered uh, you know image. It's, it's, it's loaded. There's a lot lot to it. So yeah, like what just just tell us a little bit about that because I I, I find that um you know that character and and his uh his design pretty fascinating.
0: Uh, I mean you know the thing. Uh... I feel like some black folk have sort of a love, hate relationship with, you know, uh, traditional American values as uh-huh. they stand. Sometimes they're like hypocritical. Uh, we have a love, hate relationship with the idea of going into the military and fighting for a country that may not love us back when we get back. And and, and those kind of ideas uh, sort of informed me when I was designing that. And I was also like, okay, what yeah, sort of iconic, but also maybe piss a lot of people off. <laughs> and when I created Paragon, we were like still, we, we were like sort of into Iraq really hard and the war was going on and stuff. And I was like, man, what, what would piss people off <laughs> if, I, if I wrapped an American flag around this guy's head, kind of like a, 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 um, kind of like a, a KFE, I might not be pronouncing it right. But I was like, if he wrapped the flag around his head like that to sort of cover his identity and, you know, but he was still a soldier and he was still saving, uh, you know, soldiers. And I was like, hmm, it seems like a good idea. And then I, you know, I kind of Googled what that would look like. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's a dope. Even, even apart from the controversy, I thought I would start doing that it's just a dope design. Like it's a dope way to tie it, you know, to have like sort of a hoodie and a mask on and you have the sort of tattered remains of it uh, flailing behind you. I was just like, man, that's, that's going to be dope with a tattered sort of uh, uh, military fatigues on and, and, and him just saving people, you know, like his arms are out, man. He's strong, he's powerful and he's black. And I was like, "That's just so so many uh, sort of nuanced things, uh, sort of juxtaposed in this one character." I wish I could keep him in that costume forever, but a part of the story, his costume changes. You know, um, the uh, in One Nation Number Two, the government gives him hero esque costume, a more Superman like costume to say. Uh, it's like America's superhero right. and he sort of at first he kind of wears it you know and he's like oh this is cool you know because he, he just he's a character that genuinely wants to get out there and save people and genuinely wants to get out there and help mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be a little ignorant at first hmm. but uh, so he wears it proudly and then you know, I don't wanna give away any everything, but you know, right. there's another costume change down the line. An ultimate sort of costume change. Um but okay. yeah, that's well, kind of what informed me.
2: Okay, cool. Um another thing I wanted to touch on, I mean you, you mentioned before uh that you know, a good <laughs> chunk of the story takes place, you know, around the Iraq war in the early nineties. And uh one of the things that was really cool for me, you know, being A person over 30 like like all of us i think are um you know is that you you pulled in a lot of the pivotal events that were taking place at that time a lot of the um things that were part of the the climate of the country um along race lines you know like like the the la riots or uprisings and um you know, and, and, and just a, a lot of things, uh, even to the point where I, I, one of the things I really loved was, again, I'm not going to give away too much, but, you know, your, you know, some of your, your, your super powered characters, um, end up interacting during some of the events that, you know, are most known, um, from the LA, LA uprisings, you know, and, and, uh, that, that was interesting too. I think that's one of the things that, um, comics and sci-fi, you know, have a potential to do is, is like take these, these real life events and maybe, you know, imagine what, what could have taken place um, if some of these otherworldly, um, you know, beings or et cetera, were, were involved. But anyway, like to me, like that, that was really fascinating. And then the, the way that you guys wove, um, you know, race and the the climate and the, just the, the tumultuous events of the early nineties into the story, was really fascinating, too. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if that's the question. I guess this is more <laughs> of a comment.
0: Well, well the re- I always mm-hmm. wanted to create, like, one of these stories. Uh, like, you're always sitting here, especially, like, I mean, we think about, like, today and, and what's going on in the news and, you know, politically today. And you kind of sometimes, you know, how you're sitting around and you're like, how the, how the hell am I here? Like, how yep. can I navigate this this particular climate and and you know, and and still feel safe and still have safe family and go to work when these maniacs are out there, mm. you know, so to speak. And I'm kind of like, I always even, you know, and that's all that's kind of almost every few years is going on, you know. I mean <laughs> from you know, 2008 to 2012 is kind of fine. But um of there and I wanted to create heroes that can affect that save myself from that anxiety even though you know it's it's sort of escapism i I, you know in my escapism i want some comfort and i always thought man i want to create a character that will save us from that and paragon and Sundiata and the 10 are those characters for me and that's why they exist in the actual you know in the version of our world you know so i wanted to put them i wanted to put him in iraq you know and and in the middle east and and him saving soldiers and stopping a lot of that conflict you know i wanted to put them inside of the riots you know things that affect me and my people um and have them have some sort of effect on that uh and and a cathartic effect you know Um, My goal is always if these people are superheroes, then they're going to save me and they're going to save people that look like me. You know, that's, that's been my goal from the start. That's what one (laughs) nation is about. So um, yeah, they, they're in the rights to change the rights, you know, or or the uprisings to change them, to change the way uh, in, in our world, they lasted a certain amount of time in this sort of mutated world here they may not last that long, you know they there may not have been you what is it four billion dollars of damage because Paragon's there holding up buildings or whatever so, gonna come. <laughs> so so that's kind of like the the one of the driving ideas behind one nation is people to save us no, that's really they're going to cool be way. in more hot spots too uh, have
3: on the shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i'm just saying like i i, no, think, I like it man. i love it no no i'm saying like i i really want them to be uh and thankfully history gives me all kinds of atrocity to insert superheroes into <laughs> right. uh, throughout the series so yeah that's that's how it's gonna work
2: yeah, no, there, there there's no shortage.
0: Yeah. We're just nah, getting but... started with the implications, man. We like <laughs> you know, because because we're indie, we we're not able to produce month after month after month. But man, one right. nation number three is gonna be huge, and we are literally just getting started with you know uh with them intervening, with you know, them discussing and and affecting race relations and political you know back and forth like one nation if i if i could say what kind of book i envision it to be like when it's all said and done sort of like the authority you know sort of like the ultimates where uh these people are are affecting things on a global scale
2: that's really cool Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely recommend everybody check it out. You can find it on on Peep Game Comics on One Three Three Art, um, and comicsology. And and comi- right. Yeah, yeah. So you got plenty of of options of where you can consume it.
0: Yeah, but buy it at 133 Art, yeah. One Three Three Art because <laughs> I
2: get. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Like, let's like support. Support. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's really cool. Um, so I guess you know we're we're um pretty much at at our time limit. We've been we've been definitely rocking for for a minute, but um. Nice. it's been it's been real and like I we have so much respect for what you two brothers do and um we'll continue to support your work. Also at one three three art dot com you can uh you can pick up Kid Carvers and just a bunch of other cool books and and artwork. So um yeah. and yeah, I just wanted to say Kid Carvers uh is one of those books that that really is shows what all ages um, stories can do, because, you know, not only is it something that the kids can see themselves in and see something positive, but it's also something that's enjoyable for adults and parents, you know, as well too. It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, entertaining for all of us. And I think that those are the best um, stories to me.
0: Oh yeah. Thanks. That's our goal, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we want to create an action adventure. I mean, it's, it's kids, but Man, like, I can go back and watch the Goonies right now. Love the Goonies. And enjoy the hell out of it. You know, Stranger Things proves that. Um, and that's that's where we want to live. That's the, that's the place where Kid Carvers lives. I wanna want to say one thing before go? we go. Um, I, I figure a lot
1: of people already saw this, but um, relevant to, like, representation in comics, I wanted to... I'm going to share and tweet out on the hashtag, uh, you know, homie Andre Dotry's uh, thread... That he posted uh, a while ago about discovering a disabled superhero when he was a kid. I was honestly reminded of this specific because we were talking about, like, four comics for a dollar. And Dre was mm-hmm. talking about, like, how he used to go to a spot where they, like, shove as many comics in the bag and you'd buy the bag for a dollar. I actually I know exactly what he's talking about because I used to get that from, like, Odd Job Trading in Manhattan when I was a little kid. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an incredible thread, and it's like anytime someone has a question uh, about, like, well, well why does representation matter in comics? What the fuck? Blah. <laughs> have them read that thread, and then <laughs> and they will understand. So share that far and wide. Um, it got shared quite a bit, and again, I feel like a lot of our listeners will probably have seen it. You know what? If you already seen it, I say read the thread again. And if you haven't seen it, share it yeah. to all the people on your, on your steves because it's, uh, it's really beautiful. That's all I got to say. I have mad stories, but we ran crazy late, so y'all gonna have to wait two weeks to hear about me having adventures in L.A. Sorry, fam. I know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good.
3: This, this is all valuable. I'm going like, yeah, to be heading out to L.A. pretty soon.
1: <laughs> I said, don't get me started. I love L- I love L.A. Like, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Going for a project uh, that really? I can't talk about yet.
2: Just yet. <laughs> that, that, that's usually a good sign. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see. All right. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, we will, you know, 100% be behind you, too, and all the all the cool stuff you're doing. And, you know, definitely look forward to having you back on the show because, you know, you guys aren't slowing down, so I know we'll have plenty of material to, to speak about. So before we go, do you guys want to, you know, uh, give your shout-outs, uh, let people know where they can find you, and just any other last words of wisdom?
3: Jason, sure. you can go um, first.
0: Um... You can find anything Jason Reeves and anything 133art at 133art.com. We also have, let's see, we have a retailer's hub for any retailers out there that want to get a hold of our books. You get a discount. You really do. So hit up uh, 133art.com and uh, in the navigation, hit up our retailer hub and contact us and we'll get some books out to you. Um, We also have one, three, three art printing. Anybody uh, that need that has printing needs for floppy comics. You want to go to a convention, you need 50 comics. We'll give you a good deal. You can actually get price quotes on the site uh, again in a navigation one, three, three art printing. Um, Don't hesitate to drop me an email. Uh, I'm Jason at one, three, three art.com. And also you can buy Kid Covers at 133 Art, but Kid Covers is also a webcomic at kidcarvers.com. Uh, you can read the whole first issue free if you want to test it out, see if it's cool for your kids, or you just like webcomics. Go to Kidcovers.com and read it. And as soon as we're done, when we're selling Kid Covers number two, it'll also be going up every week, a new page on that site. Um, so that's me. <laughs>
3: Um, for me, you can find me at alvernball.com. dot com um that 's my personal website um I have a few scripts up there. you can read spec scripts like Daredevil, Avatar of the Last Airbender, a couple of other um comic scripts and stuff so and I put those up there um uh, as resources for other writers because I know um for me that was one of the things um trying to find resources you know so you can look at formatting and stuff like that um you can find me on twitter and facebook as alvernball.com um you can find all of my novels on amazon or barnes and noble under my name um only the holy remain virgin wolf and or dime and i should also mention that i'm developing dime um right now into an audio drama so you're the first to ever hear that no one knows that now but now the world does um but you can find me at alvernball.com or any of your social media i 'm on all of it as Alvern Ball, so that 's me
0: oh yeah we 're on all social medias one three 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 two I should probably say that facebook <laughs> instagram twitter, all one three three
3: yard. Yeah, you know, an optimist lover. So you know you can't really trust him that much.
2: <laughs> oh man, the 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 saga continues. I'm I'm glad you got all the one three three arts locked down, man. Because it's it's a drag when you got that one social media where you got to pick a slightly yeah. different one.
0: Right. I know. I keep wanting to go one three three one three three art dot media though. It's mm. so tempting. But uh, you know we're already com. Right. Yeah, you you got it locked. You got it locked. So you know.
3: Yeah, guys, thank you for having us.
0: Oh yeah, no, yeah, God. it was it was a blast. Like I had a good time. Yeah, my
3: wife's like, "What are you doing?"
2: <laughs> uh, give give her our apologies. <laughs> no,
3: no, it's all good.
2: <laughs> yeah, yo, Leo, you got any uh, any
1: last words for the peoples? Man, I'm just I'm too busy these days. Like, catch catch me on <laughs> wherever I'm writing, and uh, and and thanks to the boys for for coming through. This is this is fun, man. I feel like we we've I'm telling you, I think we've added Trent, Transformers talk to the show. I oh, think yeah. I think that might be a that might be a yes. perennial return. Yeah.
2: I think oh, that's Yeah,
3: it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you,
2: guys, you guys you guys are the inaugural uh you know Transformers questions. So. Yep,
3: yep. I, I, <laughs> so. I love it. I
1: love it. Yes. Good, man. No, and shout out the Black Comic Chat audience as usual. They they yeah, know yeah. the deal. They know the deal. Shout yeah. out Tenise coming through tonight. Tanis hasn't been around in a minute. And, that was awesome that she came through
2: yeah everybody man. Mm-hmm. but thank you Jason and thank you Alvern man it was it was a blast and we definitely look forward to speaking to you too again
0: Black
3: Comics Chat.